It was at this point, Mum decided that if I didn't die, she may have to kill me anyway. Years later, when she told me this over a glass, let's be honest, a bottle of wine, I laughed. Not a laugh that might suggest I agreed with that decision, but the despairing scoff of a person who knows that her mother, like so many people, presumed that disability of this kind could be a fate worse than death. Perhaps it was having the maiden name of Fortune and being called Miss Fortune, till she married my dad and became a Morgan, that made my mother so wary. Since I was old enough to remember, I'd been made to memorise the list of unfortunate conditions mum deemed to justify euthanasia and what I must do if the worst were to happen to her. Firstly, don't tell anyone, darling. Then, simply put a pillow over her head. As a former nurse, she felt she'd seen enough to be able to make an informed decision over her fate, whatever it might be. It's apt, I think, that my mum named me after Sophie's choice. Sophie, the director shouts at me now. Are you okay? Snapping back into the moment, I see five pairs of eyes watching me and feel tension and concern hovering in the fresh spring air. Each member of the crew has expressed their reservations about our filming at the place where I so nearly died. But back then, in the planning room in London, 700 or so miles south of this spot, in the well-practiced tone I'd adapted to stave off any assumed fragility or fear on my part, I'd reassured them that it would be cool. I'd be totally fine. But I find people tend to doubt my conviction, for reasons I will come to explain. The truth is, I knew it would be good to be back. I had chosen to return. When I first discovered the scar, eight years after it was created, I was also being flanked by a camera crew. But unlike last time, I remind myself, straightening out my posture and clearing my throat, I haven't come back to find clues. This time, I'm here for a different reason. Eighteen years ago, I say clearly, looking into the camera, my life ended just here. I glanced down at the scar on the road, but... Another life started, and today, I am back at the beginning of my next chapter. The thrill that these words give me is palpable. In the decade I've been presenting on television, I've never had my own series. I'm also unscripted, and I feel liberated, a bit like being the only naked person in a room full of strangers, which coincidentally is also something I've actually done on TV, but we'll get to that later. For the purpose of the series, I have been travelling around the UK, going to some extraordinary places and meeting some extraordinary people, in order to learn about the radical changes that they've made to their lives in pursuit of happiness and fulfilment, and to find inspiration for changes that I intend to make to my life moving forward. The past year has been a particularly testing time, and the sense of achievement I feel being in front of the camera and riding my trike all the way to Scotland is almost overwhelming. I look down at my weathered black biking jacket, worn in on the mission I've now completed, and it excites me to think how awful I must look. Normally, as a presenter, I'd be a veneered version of myself, hair tonged, makeup perfect. But today, filth and grime from the motorways and back roads are splattered over me and my trike. And these are the marks of achievement I haven't wanted to wash away. As the camera lingers on me, I remind myself to soak it up. This is happening. I have made it happen, and it's taken me 18 years to get here. I yank off my helmet, and I let my long, tangled, blonde hair fly where it wants. The specially modified machine between my legs catches the sun, and I hear the fan cooling the engine down. 
I got it as an 18th anniversary gift to myself in order to feel as liberated as is physically possible for someone like me. And sitting astride it, exposed to the elements, with so much power in my hands, having ridden to the summit of my wildest dream, at the place where one life ended, I wonder if it's possible to feel more alive. Suddenly, from the Royal Air Force Base beside us, a Typhoon fighter jet launches down the runway and off into the sky, screaming overhead. And in an instant, the sound takes me back to the very first time I strapped in behind the steering wheel of a car, with my breath held tight and my grubby teenage fingernails blanched white against the car key. I was gagging for the invitation to start the car's engine when one of these fighter jets, chasing the wind that whipped through the clouds above, erupted over the top of my head.